Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. Reinfection and immunity after COVID-19. So a 33-year-old man from Hong Kong has been reinfected with COVID-19. His second infection comes more than four months after his first infection. Anecdotally, a few people claim to have suffered a second COVID infection as well. But this case is, in fact, the first true documented case of a second infection. A silver lining in the past may have been those people who have been cured of COVID-19 was that they are hopefully immune to the, to the virus and will not have to face it again. This case is noteworthy because it may suggest that immunity to the virus may only last a few months. Thankfully, reports indicate that this case is an outlier in the COVID-19 immunity. People who have recovered from COVID-19 will uh, be immune potentially for a few months. The discovery of a second infection came upon his return from a trip to Spain. Genomic sequencing revealed that his second infection matched a strain that was circulating in Europe in July and August. The reinfection strain was significantly different from his initial infection strain, proving that this was not an initial viral resurgence. The man suffered mild symptoms of the first infection, and he was, had no symptoms during the second infection. The lack of symptoms in his second case could suggest that his immune system is still doing its job by providing some immunity. So remember, if you have recovered from COVID-19, it's always essential to practice social distancing, mask wearing, and good hygiene to slow the spread of the virus. More research is needed to declare how likely reinfection is and what post-infection immunity is. The question is the duration and the strength of immunity after infection, which also ties into the development of vaccines <laughs> that are focused on host antibody production. Hopefully in most cases, immunity to the virus will last multiple years like MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, and SARS, which are relatives of COVID-19. And let me add that since this story was initially written by one of our writers, uh, that <laughs> during the course of the past week or so, there have been two cases, one in Belgium and one in Amsterdam, which were considered to be reinfections. And then there was a case here in the U.S. also, which was a reinfection as well. And I can assure you here on Noise Filter, we will definitively be following these stories very, very carefully. So let's talk about people who are incarcerated and COVID-19. With COVID-19 cases increasing all around the world, there's one group in particular who has a huge outbreak of COVID-19, and that group is those people who are incarcerated across the U.S. Those people who are incarcerated are in a fixed contained space, which makes them particularly vulnerable to a highly contagious virus like COVID-19. It is, as a matter of fact, not only endangering those people who are incarcerated, also the correctional staff and then the communities that they come from. 
Recent data has shown that 10 of the top 10 clusters here in the U.S. are occurring at correctional facilities. So it's not surprising that there would be a high case of COVID-19 at these facilities. These prisons are very cramped so that social distancing is nearly impossible. Half of all states are not requiring correctional staff to wear masks, and this could be another reason why the numbers are so high. I'm going to say that sentence again. Half of all states are not requiring correctional staff to wear masks, and this would be another reason why the numbers are so high. To make everything even worse, these correctional facilities are in need of more testing, personal protective equipment, and sanitation material because of the shortages that are there. One suggested solution would be to decrease the number of those that are incarcerated in these facilities. You see, what that will do is it'll help increase social distancing. Some strategies to reduce the number of people include declining charges to people with minor offenses and releasing those who are near or at the end of potentially short sentences. In California, there were thousands of people that were released near uh, the end of their sentences for nonviolent offenses. And New Jersey, on the other hand, is considering a law to reduce prison sentences altogether. So that's great. So what do we do with these people who are incarcerated? Something needs to be done that will help contain the transmission of COVID-19. We need a better plan, like more sanitation material requiring all of correctional staff and inmates to wear masks, and if possible, move some of these individuals who are incarcerated to empty facilities if possible. Releasing some of these prisoners for nonviolent offenses really is not a bad idea either. Cases going down because restrictions work. Following the massive spikes in daily reports of COVID-19 cases, the numbers began to level off and then decline in reports of new cases. Though the infection rate of the United States is still one of the highest worldwide, these declines in daily reports of cases may show some promise. Researchers and health experts credit much of the decline to local mask mandates and other restrictions, such as those on reopening policies. While many have hypothesized that the drop in reported cases is due to a drop in testing volume, experts have offered that decreased hospitalizations and a lower rate of positive tests actually reflect that transmission of the virus has slowed. In the summer months of June and July, cases peaked, largely in part due to young people transmitting the virus, especially in the state of Florida. Statewide bar and restaurant closures, along with mass mandates, caused a reverse in the trend and case reports settled. Similar to Florida, the effect of mass mandates and restrictions on public businesses reflected a reversal in the trend of case reports. Additionally, the media has impacted the trend of lower transmission rates. In Arizona, news media coverage of heightened risk contributed to a greater awareness by the public and lowered transmission. In Louisiana, the statewide mass mandate and the closure of bars led to the decline in reports of daily new cases. While not every state has a statewide mass mandate, many local jurisdictions across states have taken the authority to enforce mass mandates locally. Doc, how do we make sense of all this? So, I mean, a couple of really, really important points. I just want to highlight that you actually mentioned here. One is that what we're seeing is, um, there's no question about it, a decline in cases. And you and I talk about this on our regular show that we do. It's an hourly Facebook show that runs at 4 o'clock Central Standard Time. You can find it at Eric uh, Griggs or Dr. Mark Calendari. And we talk about this all the time. Yes, testing has gone down. And certainly what we saw last week uh, with the CDC stating that they weren't going to be testing asymptomatic people, something that you and I talked about in detail, and we both strongly disagree, as do a lot of public health experts, that that 
is going to show that there's a decline in in cases. But I do believe it's like you said, we're seeing less hospitalizations, but we're seeing less hospitalizations because I think the cases are shifting toward young people. And there's no question about it that here in the state of Louisiana, cases were going out of control. And it wasn't until the governor closed bars and enforced mask wearing and did the mask mandate. I think that's when we really saw a decline in cases. So while the recent flattening of the curve is a good sign, and I really do believe it is, the U.S. remains as a country one of the worst outbreaks worldwide. And I would actually just say of the world population, (laughs) 25% of the cases. Yeah, we are the worst, yes. Researchers and health experts also warn of the high potential for resurgence in cases. And those researchers and health experts, they're right here on Noise Filter telling you there will be a resurgence in cases. Oh, expect it. That's right. I think what we're seeing right now is a calm before the storm, especially as students are going to start returning to school. However, the flattening of the curve does indicate that masks do work. And I'll say it again, masks do work. The data does doesn't lie. So please mask up COVID down. Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at Doc Griggs one on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to noisefiltershow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home, and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.